This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of All Possibilities is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. This episode is hosted by Jessica Brodkin, who you may remember from episode number 11. She's filling in as a guest host for All Possibilities as I take care of my newborn baby. Enjoy the show! This is a warning. In the following conversation, my mind was officially blown a minimum of three times. Proceed with caution, because it could happen to you too. Coming up, interfaith minister, tarot reader, Vedic astrologer, Kabbalist, Reiki healer, and life coach, Danichi Lazuli goes into full-out expert mode. You'll hear him hold court in the true origin of the Abrahamic faith that Western civilization is built on and how the divine feminine exists in the original Judeo-Christian tradition. Plus, he finds universal themes within world religions, creating a perfect spiritual symphony. I'm Jessica Brodkin, filling in for Julie Chan. Let's rock and roll. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Danichi, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Our pleasure. And um, I would like to know, you have so many titles and so many ways that you describe yourself. I think there's lots of titles, but they're really all kind of the same. How did you become who you are today? Were you just, did you come out the womb as a baby Buddha? Like what happened? (laughs) Well, um, well, thank you. That's a really good compliment, (laughs) but I can't take credit for myself. Um, I attribute a lot of it to my parents. Of course, they raised me this way and uh, my, my teachers as well. I give them credit. Um, I've been studying spirituality or spiritual modalities for, we're going to say about 10 years now. I'm 29 this year. I'll be 30 um, this June. Thank you so much. Um, The last six years, I'd say I've really began to delve deep into my practice to a point that I've refined it. And um, they say when the student is ready, the master will appear. Yes, And so I wasn't ready yet to receive my initiations. Um, on my journey, going through depressions and sulking, like people do in everyday, everyday existence, I wanted to see why people went through what they went through. And so I would ask the universe, I would ask God, if you will, why am I going through this? And, and show me a solution out of this. And lo and behold, the Lord or the universe or source would bring me people on my path to answer those questions for me. So in that regard, I started to believe in the power of synchronicity. And um, about six years ago, I was in college at the time studying um, education and criminal justice. And I always had sort of a, um, a fascination with occult sciences as well as mysticism and esoteric practice, but more like a hobby. I wasn't really practicing it, you see. I I was um, raised in a Judeo-Christian family, 
my father, um, he, he particularly practiced um, African-based uh, belief systems, West African-based belief system, and my mother was on the Judeo-Christian side. So I kind of came from two different perspectives of life already, but being a, a, a mixed child, it was a little difficult for me to integrate um, my perceptions of, of God, okay, because mm -hmm. I saw it from, from various <clears throat> sources. And so I'm, I'm trying not to go on too, too no, far no, you're here. Great. But um, in college, I really, really began to, to meet teachers. I met a, a professor named Professor Brugnola. She was a universal Unitarianist. So this is a, a, a church of America, mm -hmm. which integrates uh, belief systems. And I found that fascinating because it helped me really incorporate who I was as a, as a person. Um, when I was 15 years old, going back a little bit, I had some issues in my family. I'm one of seven. So I'm the middle child of seven. Wow. So it was always, yeah, <laughs> I know. It was, a little, it was always difficult, you know, getting mom and dad's attention, but I understood they had to work. They were raising a family. You know, it's not easy in New York City. And so coming from different cultures, always not, not feeling like I belonged and always trying to uh, mix polarities if you or converge the family together, I always had a lot of anger as a result of it. And I wanted to know why, um, but not blaming anyone, of course. So uh, it caused me to, to leave the house a lot, you know, mm -hmm. to, to seek something greater outside of my my day-to-day -day activity because in the house granted there was a lot of tension going on with all of those personalities right so i met a cambodian family what yes yes when i was 15 <laughs> years old and they taught me a lot i i ended up staying with them for about six years just living with them. Wait, you just left your family and lived with this Cambodian family yeah, for six pretty years? Pretty much, pretty much. And I mean, I would visit my family back and forth from time to time. They lived within the same vicinity, so it wasn't very far. It was a few blocks away, but I loved being with them, and they showed me a different side of the... Uh, the Eastern world, if you will, like Buddhism, they really introduced me into when I was 15 years old. And that's when I met like monks and I had a different concept of like wow. priests and rabbis. It was very different. So um, as a result, it, it really opened up my awareness. I started learning about meditation and, and um, ritualistic practice. So that was already, um, I should say, um, implemented into my, 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 my practice, along with the Judeo-Christian and African-based practices that African-based practices, do you mean like the God, like the deities like Oshun and stuff? Exactly, the Orishas, so, the, Orishas. the West African Orishas. So what, for, for our listeners who don't know, uh, could you explain the Orishas? And well, the Osh sure, uh, absolutely. So the Orishas come from an old pantheon of West African-based practices, from mostly Nigeria, West Africa, and a lot of people in the Caribbean islands and, and in Cuba and Haiti, they practice these African-based um, practices, I, I should say. And um, it involves a lot of ancestral worship, um, invocation of 
seven major powers which govern over the seven days of the week and and of creation. It's a little different than the Judeo-Christian teachings, which are very Abrahamic, Sumerian. Mm -hmm. It's different, but um, it's very, very advanced. And um, the people there, they they invoke uh, spirits, to to perform different rituals and you know so I had a respect for these entities um, but I, I didn't really find myself um, gravitating to that although I do have a respect for it I really found my peace with Kabbalah and that's what I'm practicing today yes so the more the Judeo Christian teachings the mystic aspect of of Judeo Christian teachings and also it's just it's just interesting for me. Because um, from my perspective, I've spent a lot of time studying the goddesses. Right. And as someone who was raised in, in uh, Judeo-Christian or ju- really just Judaism um, <laughs> just <laughs> in, my, uh, in my family, but I uh, was not particularly religious, I found the Judeo-Christian uh, to be more patriarchal or more just like masculine God, masculine energy. Right. And right. I found the goddesses like the Oshuns in the West, because the the goddesses, a lot of the West African and um, Latin American that came from Africa, those beliefs to be more feminine. And so I found, for me, I found the relationship between the feminine goddesses and the peace that Eastern religion brings me. And I'm still like trying to figure out my own basis with my own religion. It's so interesting. It, it's so interesting. So, so for me, like the goddesses have brought a peace that haven't, that wasn't there. Right, right. And so for you, you were born with that sort of. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Really kind of cool. like integrating both. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So um, I remember when I would go to like uh, churches or synagogue, I would say, well, what about God the mother? Right. And, what about and, the mother God? Uh, right. And because they were primarily patriarchal um, uh, cultural backgrounds, they wouldn't even uh, answer that question. They wouldn't right. know how to answer it. However... I found that the mystics in regards to that religion, like the Kabbalah, they're, they're able to answer those questions. Um, also, in, in Africa, going back to Africa, yes. the reason why, they're all based on a matriarchal society. They so they trace the root depending on the mother. Right, okay. which is mitochondrial DNA. Exactly. And, of course, in Judaism, it's also traced back, it's also through, traced them, back, back through, through the, the mother. mother. Right. So there's sort of an underlining current which connects both of these civilizations or groups or of people together. And um, so with these questions, uh, as I, I would consider myself an indigo child because mm-hmm. I'm always asking questions or right. challenging the constructs of society, I would always ask. And, you know, sometimes I'd get negative responses like, oh, it's because God said. And I said, well, that's not good enough for me. Right. So I went to seek for myself. And and it led me eventually into Buddhism, right? Right. Through Buddhism, it leads you into Hinduism, Right. right? But keep in mind, they're they're considered Vedanta, Vedantic practitioners, because uh-huh. Hinduism is more like a derogatory term that the Mongols used to uh, call people who lived in the Indus River Valley. They called them Indus. Okay, uh-huh. so I call them Vedantic practitioners, because yes. if you went to India in ancient times and you would ask uh, one of the what we call Hindu people, they would say, well, I'm a Vishnava. I'm a follower of Vishnu. I'm a follower of Shiva. And these are the universal laws of creation, destruction, and preservation. So each person who lived in the Indus River Valley 
um, valued one of those systems above another. So. And for for our listeners who don't know who who Vishnu and Shiva are, those are the the god the Indian the Oregas gods from yeah the, the trinity gods, the, the trinity. trinity the trimorti mm-hmm. um, which the Judeo Christians or primarily Christians, Christians call the Father Son and Holy Spirit yes um, or they constitute what we know as the Om the Holy Om the right. Ahu M Brahma Vishnu and Shiva right. it's a uh, it's uh, analogous to one word so it 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 creates like a like a syntax there uh-huh. and so brahma vishnu and shiva um they each have their consorts or their yes. feminine the counterparts, counterparts which we call lakshmi and saraswati or um oh my goodness or durga or kali right, right. so these are aspects of the divine feminine so that that fascinated me, of course, and right. so it led me into really understanding the divine feminine. And I said, "Wow, she is there." Going back into the ancient Hebrew text, cross-referencing, right. I found that there was in fact a god, the mother. They called her Kavana or the Shefa or Elo, Elo, Elah or even Shekinah. So these were words that were used to describe God, the mother. So in fact, she does exist. Uh, that that helped me to really integrate the polarities and find peace within myself. And it ceased those questions of looking for, you know, source. I said, oh my goodness. So God created man in its own image and likeness, as it says in the book of Genesis, yet God proceeded to create both genders. So that alluded me to the idea that there is a mother God, and I found proof of it. Boom! Uh, my mind, mind blown. Mind blown. I am, uh, wow, I speechless. So when we come back, we will d- dive more into the Divine Feminine with Danichi. Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. The superior audio quality on Mouth Media Network is powered by Sennheiser. And as a listener, you can receive a 25% discount on virtually any headphone, microphone, and other high-quality audio product available to purchase directly on the Sennheiser website. Just visit Sennheiser.com and enter the code MouthMediaSen, that's MouthMedia, S-E-N-N, at checkout. Okay, uh, I've collected myself, and just to reset the stage, we're going to talk about how the Divine Feminine does have a place and an explanation in the Abrahamic traditions. Yes, all right. So as I mentioned before, I was studying Kabbalah, but before Kabbalah, I studied Buddhism and Hinduism. And so I can't get enough. Uh. Right? So it, it, led, it led me back into... Samesies. Right, right? It, it led me back into um, Kabbalah because, like I said, I felt peace there. And it just, I don't know, made sense. It, it has a lot of connections with modern Scientology, the whole construct of an atom is 
is um, you mean personified. modern science? Modern science, right? Not modern Scientology. These no, no, no. Those well, are really different. I I, I understood okay. the whole. I, I meant by the concept of the yeah. Big Bang theory. Yes, and the Big Bang theory is in the in the in the Kabbalah or Kabbalah. It is mm -hmm. actually yes. And the and the and the length of the like how long the universe has existed. So there's a lot of science that backs up the dates in Kabbalah, which I'm so glad you brought up. I was oh, going to bring that up if you didn't. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the ancient peoples, right? The Sumerians, Mesopotamians, Babylonians, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. The Egyptians, who predated a lot of these teachings essentially or, or traded them amongst one another. Um, keep in mind that Abraham was from Ur of Chaldea. It says that right in the Bible, in the Torah, your first five books of Moses, it says that. So if Abraham was in fact from Samaria, he was bringing ancient knowledge yes. from the cradle of civilization, Maybe. including the tree of life, Yes, which is a construct of the atom if you really look at oh it. Oh my God. Whoa, yeah. mind blown yeah. again. So there is, there's no coincidence why the first man's name was Adam and why they oh named God. the molecule Adam, right? So um, if, if you were to remove the center of the Hebrew tree of life, which is called Tiferet, the heart yes. aspect of yes. God, it's, it's sort of like what Oppenheimer did when he split the nucleus. nucleus creating an atomic bomb, oh right? So there, look, Copernicus, <laughs> Galileo, you, you have all these, these great men who are, a lot of them, and women, of course, were, were Kabbalists. They what? were in certain sanctions which study Kabbalah, the Rosicrucian order, the Knights Templar, the um, Masonic lodges. Yes. They were all heavily influenced and ancient Sumerian, Babylonian, and Egyptian ritualistic practice, okay? So Kabbalah was part of the, the, the fundamentals. They had to learn that sort of as a, a segue into, you know, getting initiations and, and whatnot. So, I mean, when I went back into Kabbalah, I personally studied with a gentleman from the Order of the Golden Dawn. Who, I don't know what that means. The Golden Dawn, they're practitioners like the Knights Templar. They believe cool. in keeping the sanctity of the divine feminine and unifying God the Mother and God the Father. So as I mentioned before, my teachers found me. I never sought to find this. Wow. Which, which gives me this, this impression that you already choose everything around you before you take the incarnation. I 100% agree with you. Right. I, I tell that to people all the time. They think I'm crazy. There's no coincidences. No, no. At all. not. At all. And um, so studying a little bit with the Temple of the Golden Dawn and with Boda as well, they're called Builders of the Adatum, who are a small offset temple, which primarily their focus is on tarot and connecting the tarot cards to the Mesopotamian you Hebrew do not, I know you do not use normal, regular tarot cards. You use Kabbalistic Yes, cards, I read Kabbalistically. Which is wild to me because, of course, in the, in the Old Testament says that, you, that tarot reading is like forbidden. Well, it's, it specifically states that seeking a medium is forbidden. However, I can, I can rebuttal that. Excellent. Because in the book of Genesis, actually the first... The first um, five books of the Bible, it says that Joseph, the king of dreams, had a divination cup. Lot, um, Lot had a divination cup. Um, the Hebrew tribes used divination to foresee God's will. So they had these two breastplate stones called 
Urum and Thunum, which were pieces of onyx which they would cast to 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 see so what God's see, decree was. Is it scrying? Is that yes, what that is? absolutely. They would use it's called um, lithomancy or divining with crystals. This was this was the forerunner for what we use today as tarot. The tarot is connected to the Torah, and I'll tell you how. The twenty-two major arcana cards represent the twenty-two Hebrew letters, which essentially are pathways to climbing the tree of life, i.e., Jacob's ladder, as it's called in in the Bible. Do you believe? I have so many questions for you. Yeah, sure. One of them is: Do you believe that Kabbalah is a path to enlightenment? Oh my goodness! Um, it's certainly because in, my Buddha, path. in Buddhist in, in <laughs> Buddhist traditions, there are certain types of. I mean, if you look, we we talk about Buddhism like it's like one thing, but right. you know, oh obviously, there's, there's so, so many, many yeah. types of Buddhism. There's Tibetan Buddhism, and and the, I mean, there's Zen Buddhism, Zen Buddhism, totally different. Mahayana Buddhism, exactly. Nihana Buddhism, so Theravada. many different types of meditation. Right. Uh, it just makes my head. And now there are all these pop ups in New York City where people are like. Doing mindful, you know, mindfulness, mindfulness, right? Which is some of it has a steeped in tradition, and some of it is really, in my opinion, hot garbage. Well, um, I'll tell you something. It, I've I've found out that a lot of the the Bible stories or Torah stories are merely illustrations yes. that are just representing archetypes that we have to experience, such as the serpent who gave Adam and Eve knowledge yes he gave them duality there's yes. no coincidence as to why our spinal column it, um sort of emulates uh serpent-like functions and in kundalini the spinal column is considered the rising serpent exactly exactly so there are really no mistakes in the cosmos i mean seven days of creation seven colors of a rainbow seven sounds in a in a in a chromatic scale you have a E I O U, which gives you the extra the five. I know it's mathematical. God loves to play with math. And, and Hebrew, every letter is a number. Yes, there's an actual numeric formula in Hebrew called gametria, which is how to derive numeric code from certain Hebrew letters. In in Hebrew, the the word for serpent is nechesh, right? Nehesh is also indicative to the serpent in in the book of of creation in in paradise. Nehesh and Mashiach come up to the exact same n- numerology. So Mashiach is the Messiah. Yes. So I'm just telling for our listeners who don't know what Mashiach. Right. Is. So no, thank you, thank you for that. <laughs> right. I, Not I, everyone I, knows as much as you do. Or yes. Mashiach <laughs> and and Nehesh come up to the exact same. Uh, numerological mm-hmm. uh, equivalent so there's a reason why the the messiah is is meant to sort of neutralize the opposing force numerically it does that i mean in hebrew the word for love is ahava mm-hmm. and ahava times ahava gives you the number 13 yes. so if you were to add it in numerology and this is why people have their bar mitzvahs at 13 you see so there's more to it. Also, also thirteen. There are thirteen moon cycles in the year. Right. There are thirteen menstrual cycles for women. Thirteen was considered an unlucky number, or people the saying that a thirteen is unlucky. Unauspicious, right? Was unauspicious <laughs> because, and a lot of people see that that was an attack on the divine feminine. Of course, it was. Yes, look at Friday the thirteenth. Right. That's when the Knights Templar were all 
killed because right because of jealousy within papal supremacy and within the french kingdoms at the time they destroyed them on friday the 13th and they supposedly said that they were worshiping a baphomet which was a pan-like figure derived from the ancient greco-roman teachings but the baphomet is none other than Dionysus or Pan. And and if you look at his stomach, he has like a Kundalini rising. Yes. Right? So that's another attack on the divine feminine on Friday the 13th. Exactly. So going back to 13, if 13 in, in um, Hebrew represents love, the divine name of God is yod heh vav or what, what the Greeks translate as Jehovah. The numeric formula for Jehovah is 26. So 13 plus 13 is 26. That means two people in unison, male and female, create God the whole. Wow. So you can go back to numerology, astrology. You will derive the same conclusion. And the tree of life is also not only planetary, it delves into astrological and numeric vibration as well. So um, I just want to make sure everybody knows what the tree of life is. Can mm-hmm. you explain what the tree of life is? Okay. Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, I'm, I'm like all, all in, the, you know, and the tree of life. Okay. You explain and then I'll. Well, the tree of life is found in all civilizations, the Mesoamerican, uh, the Maya, the Incan, the Aztec. They all had a tree of life. The Sumerians had a tree of life. And I mentioned earlier that all of these groups would all share with each other. And so the guardian of the tree of life in, in Egypt was also divine feminine, unbeknownst to many. You see, so th- some would say the that... The feminine is rising. It, that's right. And that's why we have our um, marches, I guess, or whatever's going on, and ha- Harvey Weinstein being thrown out and all of this like massive purge. Well, the Maya talked about the coming of the age of the Aquarius or yes. the new era yes. beginning in 2012. That's when the consciousness was supposed to awaken itself. And that's when I was actually really heavily doing my practice around that time. 2012 is what, five years ago? Roughly about oh, five right. years so, ago. Uh, yeah. Wait, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, we're uh, roughly. Yeah. That's when I had my, when I became intuitive. But <laughs> the beautiful part of it also, gay rights came out, right? Yes. Um same-sex marriage in New York City was amemnified. So, I mean, a lot of things were happening around that time. Fashion had changed. You know, um, it's, it's, it's really, really interesting. And um, for the first time, we had like a woman almost winning in office. You know, Hillary almost won that election. You know, it's, it's just like a lot of national changes are going on. And you, you notice it happened in 2012. That... They say, some metaphysicians say that that time is when the divine feminine became resurgent on the earth. It's really amazing. We keep going back to this concept of the divine feminine. Right. And from what what I understand, and please um, correct me if I'm wrong, but so in in, in East Asia, there's yin and yang, and they were all balanced. And a lot of what I do when I work, I think most of my clients are female. When I work with women is that I help them reconnect to their divine feminine because so many people live in our society mirroring the wounded masculine, not an empowered masculine, but a wounded masculine. Right. And so we always believe that we need to do and do and take action and not to receive and not to just be. And so much of Eastern religion, from my perspective, is about being. It is. It's sitting meditation. What is meditation? But to be. To be in stillness. And to be in stillness. 
And that's when we receive divine guidance and that's when we receive enlightenment and that's when we receive a perspective for whatever garbage is potentially going on in our lives. Right, right. The distractions, they the call distractions. it. The, the Buddha and, and Vishnu and Krishna, they would, they would all call it maya or the illusionary world. This is why Jesus says, be in the world, not of the world. I'm blown again. Don't attach yourself to the physical constructs of the world. You're the meant to experience of it. Right. But the highest state of love is to love and be detached from it. Just as God loves all of its divine creatures and allows us to exist on earth. You know, you can treat the world and the earth as you want, but it'll still grow you a tree. You can pour... Uh, gasoline on or tar or asphalt on the ground and that divine compassion will still give you life so that's a concept of love that humans don't quite understand yet but we're starting to understand it we need to understand the co-relationship between the ecosystem and ourselves we work as one that was beautiful thank you thank you my mind has been blown more times than I can count. When we get back, we're going to discuss how Danichi knows all this information and why he is an authority on this subject. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. This is Vikram Iyer, former advisor to President Barack Obama. Have you been opening your Twitter account or Facebook feeds or even just talking to families and friends and wondering what the heck is going on in this country? Well, it's not as bad as you think, but we're going to unpack that for you. Join me at the American Enough podcast on the Mount Media Network as we unpack the policies, executive orders, and daily kerfuffles that are shaping not just this administration, but the modern face of America's politics. Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. So, Danichi, we have been talking for the past half hour about all these really interesting subjects. And one thing that we, I unfortunately glossed over is what, how did you become an authority on this subject and um, kind of what is your background and your teachers on this matter? Okay, absolutely. So, as I mentioned, I was studying in college and I met a professor named Brugnola. Professor Brugnola, she helped me to immerse myself into interfaith. So through interfaith, I was able to merge various religious concepts together, and I became an interfaith minister through that, the Universal Unitarian Society. So when I was going through college, I was working many jobs, retail and, and restaurants, like most New Yorkers do to get where they are, right? So, and I hated it, okay? I was so depressed because I wasn't utilizing my skills. So one day I prayed to God. I said, God, you gave me all of these abilities and gave me all this. Please put me in a place where I can utilize my skills to serve humanity. And a week later, I was hired in a place called Namaste Bookshop. So I know the universe answered my prayer. And that's where we met. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that was four and a half years ago. Through them, I have expanded successfully becoming a reader. I did what I call charity work by giving people free readings, utilizing my intuition through my 
through the knowledge I accumulated. I gave over 200 people readings and they were really ecstatic about it. Through there, I met my my doctor friend mentor uh, on Vedic astrology and Ayurveda. I love Vedic astrology. Named Dr. Rakesh Kumar of the Ishwar Center. Um, It's a nonprofit organization dedicated to bettering humanity through the Vedic sciences of naturopathic medicine, Ayurveda, which uh, incorporates gemstones and the usage of planetary stuff. I also studied with Angel Silva, who is a well-known spiritist. So he's a spiritual practitioner, and he taught me about gemstones and crystals. I studied with him for about six years. Um, Who's this, your Kabbalah teacher? My Kabbalah teacher. Kabbalah. I studied at the at the I studied at the Kabbalah Center a bit, and then I studied with the Golden Dawn, um, with the Golden Dawn Temple. Who's they don't want to be mentioned right now, the teachers. So one day I'll, I'll reveal their names and their identities, but because it's very it's a very secretive practitioner, they don't want to yeah, be revealed. So out of respect to them, I'll. I'll keep that for another segment when they wish to be revealed. But um, don't worry. It's not like anything threatening or anything. No, that's okay. Just I'm not scared. My um, Tibetan teacher, um, his name was Mr. Teshi. He was a former lama. He was about 78 years old, and he had a, a store down on um, Spring Street, and uh-huh. he was amazing. He would teach me mantra, Tibetan mantra, so he took me under his wing and, and mentored me for a bit. I studied The Course in Miracles by with Raymond Bory. Yeah. He uh, was a teacher of it for over 20 years. It's a wonderful oh man. And um, a lot of people like Wayne Dyer and and others have studied The Course in Miracles. Okay, all right. So, yeah, all those right. are I think some that's, of my teachers. Uh, all right, you, you <laughs> had a lot of teachers, and, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it really shows. So what I would like to, um, and you've taught me so much in our interactions, and I'd like to ask, I know that you have this vast overview of religion, the uh, mysticism, all sorts of things. What kind of, if you would have one message or... I know it's hard because you have so many messages for people to take away with. What would that be? My message would be stop searching for gods and temples and shrines and synagogues. Stop searching for God outside of yourself. And in stillness, you'll realize that God never left you. Never victimize yourself because you perpetuate that. Always believe that there is a way out of your circumstances and the universe will help to align you on your correct path. Help others. That's the highest state of joy that you'll ever experience. And more will come to you. Your surplus. Your infinite. Oh, mind blown again. <laughs> it's, uh, that was really, really beautiful. So for people who are listeners who or on the path, or beginning the path, I think everyone's in a different place. Some people are skeptics who are scientists, and maybe, maybe, I mean, they're also obviously spiritual scientists, and some people are, you know, really deep in it, in, in, whatever, in whatever modality, whatever religion, whatever spiritual practice they, they are in. How, what direction can you give people in terms of where can they grow and learn more? Of course. So as I mentioned earlier, I, I read in Namaste Bookshop and mm-hmm. also Om Shanti. I used to read in Flow Life NYC. Yes. It's good for people to develop um, healing modalities and meditative practices such as Reiki, 
um, reconnective healing, which I also studied. It's pranic healing, and it's used like for all healing the, things the emotional we do, all body. All the things you and I do. <laughs> right. So these are methods to heal your body, your mind, body, and, and soul, which will also help you connect to spirit better. You can read books on Louise Hay, Marianne Williamson, um, Eckhart Tolle, um, Don Miguel Reese. These are some of my favorite authors. Mm-hmm. Um, Wayne Dyer, of course. Um, Stuart Wilde. They have wonderful, wonderful books which can help you uh, heal your life. And in the process, you also heal others around you. So that's the goal. So um, what is the best way people can get in touch with you or follow you? I follow you on Instagram. I find that I'm on I Instagram. Love your, I love you on the gram. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> um, thank you. I am... Um, I'm putting up a lot of stuff online. You could follow me, Danichi Lazuli, D-A-I-N-I-C-H-I underscore Lazuli, L-A-Z-U-L-I on Instagram or on Facebook. I have an Interfaith Ministers page on Facebook, which I post on often, but my YouTube also shows a lot of life coaching that I I give and um, please feel free to follow me. I'd really be happy to see you and hear from you and if you have questions just feel free to inbox me and i'll always reply to you, even if it takes a day or a week later because i'm really busy but i will respond Denise to you is in demand <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you so much thank for God. being here this is such a beautiful experience thank you guys for having to, me to just be a part of your life and to experience this with you i'm so happy that we get to really spread your message further Thank you so much. I look forward to spreading it even wider. (laughs) And for you listeners, thank you for joining us today. If you would like to have your mind blown, you can obviously follow Danichi or, you know, just question everything that you've been taught, everything that you've seen, dig deeper and really try to get in touch with kind of like the core. When we get down to business, it feels like when we get down to what is important, it's always like, Loving ourselves, loving each other, getting in touch with both reality and spirit. And thank you for listening. My name is Jessica Brodkin. You could find me at loveandlightservices.com or on any social media, Jessica Brodkin, B-R-O-D-K-I-N. And be on the lookout for all possibilities. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.